0: As we lean into where we already are, fully leaned into, pressed (laughs) into, and fully absorbed into Abba, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. And there we rest. uh, And we rest with the rest of us in the glorious triune. Kiss. We are baptized into that one triune kiss of Father, Son, and Spirit. And I want us to rest there tonight, even as we look at some some passages which we could look at as pain, as suffering, as darkness, as trauma, as what it triggers, even you know of uh, hot words that people are using today for ancient ancient things that we have suffered uh, and co-suffer together as we are indeed co- have co-suffered in Christ and co-raised co-glorified, co-seated co-beloved I want to look spend some time in, with the Jesus loving is Abba is Abba Father and you notice throughout Jesus' ministry um, as we go with him we'll spend most of the time just at the at the end of his uh, three and a half years of his ministry but Throughout that time, his primary purpose is revealing his Abba, my Abba, as he says, and um, revealing our Abba, you know, as, as the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he starts off with our Abba. Right. You are included in my Abba, you know, as Jesus has been calling him, my Father. You know, the uh, our English translations have Father, but you know, Jesus would have been saying Abba all over the place. And Abba is that word, although you will find some modern scholars contending with this, saying you know, it's not the word of intimacy. But you listen to Jewish and uh, uh, Arab children and they're using this little ones using the term Abba it's the, the the word of the heart you know and it's Jesus's deep intimacy with his Abba to use it um, and we'll talk more about the importance of this word now just to clear out, clarify some things somebody wrote written data you know there's all this debate of do I have to use the Hebrew do I have to use like for Jesus do I you know I have to say Yeshua or Hosua or whatever <laughs> you know in Hebrew or Aramaic the the name would have been um, you know in the language of heaven every language is understood so you know it's the language of the heart really you know save you know this God saves Jesus my Savior you know we're saying that save you saved me you healed me, you made me whole when we're saying his name, you know, that's what we're saying, we're making a declaration of who we are together. So Jesus, when he's making the declaration of you're my Abba, Abba uh, you know, he's saying you're our Abba and you're my Abba. He's showing the disciples that the Jews get a, a rather upset with him, you know, in John's gospel, you know, why are you so upset about these, these works that I'm doing He's and they say, you know, it's not the works that we're upset about. <laughs> they didn't deny those. It's that you are calling God. <laughs> they would not even say, you know. the the You're saying Hashem, the name, you know, because they were afraid to say the name and still are. Right? G and the with a hyphen in there, D. And you'll find Christians with this mentality as well, you know, that they... Use all these uh, paraphrastic <laughs> paraphrases, euphemisms, other names, rather than saying as Jesus did, "Abba." we the Jews said we're upset with you because uh, you're making yourself equal with Hashem, with the name, with Him, with that one. You know. So as you're listening, and I'm, uh, we'll talk about this. it Will keep coming, springing up in places. Watch yourself. In self-reflection it's not so bad not navel gazing but to do a little self-reflection as you're in prayer as you're in meditation and metaphysics (laughs) in your meta being uh talking with g slash hyphen d you know what am i calling you how am i referring to you and how are you referring to me you know uh listen maybe to how others without obviously condemnation or judgment, but as you're engaging maybe in church or a prayer, group prayer with others, that you can use this, hopefully this um, relational information to help others. Maybe it reveals something about them. Language reveals something. And I've mentioned this before. It, it, it tells us what we think when we refer to people by their certain names. You know, when I say little Linny, you know, to Linda, it's like, he's my delight. He's my brother, you know, he's not my little brother. <laughs> but we have this, you know, this there's this in- intimacy, this familiarity, and deep respect as well, you know, that I respect him. I know parts of his journey and, and love him through that. So we'll keep coming back to the issue, issue of language, you know, that's kind of my background, teaching language, literature, theology, philosophy, all that. But I don't want to take us into a lecture in that sense they want to take us deep into the relationship because every time we enter engage in the text we are engaging not in just dry word we're entering into the word we're entering into jesus yeshua yahushua whatever we want to call him in the from heart to heart with him as he's engaging with the with abba father you know and not just calling him the father, but Abba. So maybe just reflect here without judgment or condemnation and anything that I say to you, if you're receiving it as kind of condemnation or judgment, where is this coming from? Because I know (laughs) there's no judgment or condemnation for me. And uh, even my brother Eric here, he loves me and, and only wants the best for me even if you don't really know me. You do know me because we're seated anciently in Christ in the heavenly places. So we're doing this together. Um, we'll take a look at some of the places where it's actually used. There, There's only one place actually in the Gospels where the word Abba is used, that where it's uh, transliterated the Aramaic. And that comes in Jesus as he is in the garden of Gethsemane. He realizes Judas has already betrayed him. And he realizes that uh, the disciples are all going to leave him. Each going to their own place. You know, in John's gospel, that's what he says. Just before he enters the high Priestly prayer. He says, each of you, you're going to take off. You know, here to use a good Canadianism. You'll take off, eh? And you'll be leaving me. Going back to your own houses, you hosers. And but my daddy, my dada, my abba, my papa, you know, whichever word you is the language of your heart. That's what Jesus was saying. My papa, my my father, my daddy's with me. And you know, you can leave me, but he's not going to and then he goes into the garden of gethsemane praying to him you know what's happening there you you've been in that place in your prayer and you'll continue to go to that place as you revisit him you know it's important that we revisit jesus's life and with him as we read you know we call often call this lectio divina you know the divine reading where we actually engage in the reading that we're Not just imaginatively, you know, you'll find some people saying, you know, it's an imaginative reading. I would totally disagree with it. Well, okay, there the imagination does have a sanctified place. But you are in Christ going in him with him through that you were united with him. So Jesus even united with him in his humanity that, you know, as you're reading it, you're praying it. You know, Jesus, I'm with you in these moments. Thank you for being with me in my darkest moments. And Abba, you are with me as well. So as as you do that, as you engage, uh I'm sure each of you have your practices and meditation, but maybe you know, adding adding some different aspects and things and allowing the deep mystical journey of being united in Jesus with every single moment of his life. You know united with him from eternity somehow. I mean, not to say that we're pre-existent souls, but to at least say, you know, Jesus, you had me in mind you me with Abba and Holy Spirit from eternity. And even when you were at your dar- darkest moments, you were thinking about me and thinking about me united with your Abba. So let's go into uh, Mark's gospel. If you have your, your uh, Bible with you, or uh, if you just want to listen, that's that's great, too. Um, in Mark's gospel, in chapter 14, and uh, this is where he uses the term Abba, at least the first time we hear it from the lips of Jesus in the gospels. Although it's it's been there all along, Mark had the... <laughs> Uh, the beauty to reveal this what Jesus is saying to you know maybe a non-Jewish audience or a mixed audience that he was using this word and here's what it says Mark fourteen thirty six. so Jesus you know he's sweating blood the disciples are falling asleep on him they're already going into their kind of uh, forsakenness and Jesus says, Abba, and then Mark puts in the parentheses, Father, right? Just to define for the audience what this word means, Father or Daddy. All things are possible for you. Jesus, he doesn't doubt his Abba for a second. All all things, all, everything is possible for you. I know that. I believe it. Ooh, I trust you. You know, it's putting this. Putting himself in this relationship of trust. And Abba trusted Jesus so much. (laughs) He loved him so much. Indeed that he sent him to love us. So that we could be loved and trusted as Jesus is loved and trusted. So Jesus declares all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. You know, Jesus, in his dereliction, in his pain, he knows what he's about to suffer. He knows all things. You know, it's declared elsewhere in the gospel that he knows all things. He knows what's in man. This is what's facing me. I know this. I've set my face towards Jerusalem. This is what we've talked about from eternity. But we've had this conversation. We've been having this conversation. We've had this plan and purpose this whole time. Holy Spirit. This cup is here. But you know, it's so painful, and it's humanity is crying out like we do in our in our humanity at times, you know, remove this cup from me. Remove it. It's this is too difficult. But notice he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. It's not about what I will in my humanity, but it's about what you will. Let my will be your will and Jesus goes ahead with it from there. You know, he goes through the betrayal of Judas, of Peter, of facing Herod, the Sanhedrin, Pilate, the mockery, the shame, the contempt. And as he's hanging on the cross, we have in Mark's gospel, it's only in Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel where Jesus quotes the psalm, uh, Psalm 22. So we're going to uh, just go to the 22nd psalm, which is, of course, before the 23rd and 24th psalm. These, this is a, a tip trick, you know, these, these three psalms going together. And there's something quite amazing here, something quite beautiful uh, I made made a post on my wall late last night about this. You know, just beautiful has just jumped right out at me. Um, but let's uh, let's look at the the 22nd Psalm. Not all of it, but from the beginning, you you already know it. Uh, Jesus's cry of dereliction from the cross. Eloi, Eloi, lama you know, excuse my Aramaic. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus quotes this psalm. And undoubtedly you we have heard before that Jesus as a good rabbi is leading people into uh, the song. into the psalm. You know, it, um, we often do this at church, right? Uh, as you're in church, if uh, a song comes up, you know. All it takes is for me to say, "Amazing!" and everyone agrees. Oh, Even if you sing that in the culture, right? People on The Voice or America's Got Talent or whatever, you know, can sing these songs. And, like everyone knows, can join in that. You know, so Jesus is making a commentary from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? From my words of my groaning. And he goes on to talk about, you know, what's happening around him. He's quoting this psalm, you know, that the, the dogs are around him, that he's being he's crying out, he's a worm. You know, that the bulls of Bashan are around him, the demon demonic hordes, you know, the pay they're acting like pagans here around. Uh Psalm twenty two also reveals. If we went deeper into it, that, you know, Jesus talking about he's being poured out like water. This is all a prophecy of, you know, of Jesus's crucifixion here and the audience surrounding him, although they would have been, have been familiar with this song, are completely oblivious to it. You know, they think he's crying out for Elijah to come and help him. Let's see if Elijah will come down and help him. But look how the beauty of it in verse 24 of the 22nd psalm says, For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. He heard when I cried to him. You You know, the theologies of that the father and the son were separated on the cross and that the father turned his face away as that one song, church song goes, which is so horrific, you know. But it's here, Jesus leading us into the song to remember that he did not abhor, the father did not abhor the son. The father did not forsake the son. The father did not turn his face from his son. He has promised it. Abba has promised it from this song, which. Jesus reveals. And look how the psalm ends. Really spend some time maybe in, in Psalm 22. And then, you know, thinking about the crucifixion, the descent into Hades, uh, Psalm 23, and the resurrection, Psalm 24. Spending time with Abba Yeshua and Ruach HaKodesh or the Jesus and Holy Spirit or whatever the language you feel to call them or they're revealing to you. Verse 27, all the ends of the earth shall remember. We're from many different nations here. You know, uh, people from uh, Europe and Africa and America and uh, different places, uh, all the earth ends of the earth shall remember him and turn to the lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before them. oh what a promise what a glorious promise for dominion belongs to yahweh to the lord and he rules over the nations jesus is, is yahweh it is or even jehovah if you want to call You feel that that's the name. To him indeed shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Oh, he's, you know, making his great bow before the Father, descending into Hades. And as he descends into Hades, that all shall bow before him, every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus in every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of our father. To him indeed shall all who sleep in the earth bow down before him shall bow all who go down to the dust. All shall bow down. And I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord about Yahweh, about Jesus, not have a father and Holy Spirit, and proclaim His deliverance to a people yet unborn, to a people yet unborn, you, me, and everyone who is yet unborn. Even, you know, as David is recounting this psalm, or the psalmist recounting it, the people yet unborn, even the Messiah yet unborn, coming. That David was seeing this, the psalmist seeing it and declaring it. That the unborn peoples will declare it, will see him. We could even say, you know, the the babies who die in the womb, or who are whose lives are taken from in them in the womb the great hope that they have, the people, the people who are unborn, the deliverance, that he is their deliverer, saying, everyone saying, he has done it. He has done it. So a proclamation that his poem is, his great poem, his great work. In the Greek, it is that work, that poem that he has written. It is done. It is done it is finished you know so this this psalm starts out with eloi eloi my god my god why have you forsaken me and then ending with it is done it is finished you know so we have the cross there the beginning and the ending you know we often call this in literature an inclusio or an inclusion you know you talk about inclusion these days but the great inclusion is that we're all included in Christ in the cross. When I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. You know, and here's the great drawing. You know, as Jesus's life is emptying out, as he's going down into the grave, and the Lord is my shepherd, the next one, as he's going into into the valley of the shadow of death. So you are with me. You know, Abba is with our good shepherd. Abba is descending with him. Not leaving and forsaking him, but always in him, always united with him. But let's see something as we look at uh, Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel. Jesus' use of this psalm and what happens is something amazing, which maybe you've not seen before. Maybe you have. But let's, let's go to Mark's gospel and see Jesus' use of the psalm and, in context. Um, it, this is Mark chapter fifteen, Jesus, Mark fifteen and verse thirty-three. When it was noon, so or yeah, you might have it yeah, the sixth hour, in some versions. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land. This taking us back to Genesis 1. The darkness, the tohu and bohu, uh, the chaos and confusion, the darkness over the whole land until three in the afternoon or the ninth hour. You may have that as listed there. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and he cries out Eloi Eloi lama sabachthani which means my god my god why have you forsaken me and when some of the bystanders heard it they said listen he is calling out for elijah and then they do the mocking with the wine they're in the mockery but consider the blindness here and consider the blindness of some readers, you know, and consider the blindness of us all when we're reading this to some degree, you know, when my eyes were opened up for it, we start to see that, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he, when does he shout that? He shouts it at 3 o'clock at the ninth hour. And what happens at the ninth hour as he's shouting that? Well, the verse prior to this says, darkness came over the whole land until three o'clock. At three o'clock, Jesus cries out. So as Jesus is crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The darkness vanishes. (laughs) Okay, you've been in the supernatural darkness for three hours. Everything's dark over the land. And still you're blind to see when Jesus cries this out, Every the lights go on, but the blinders are still on. <laughs> I don't know. Have you caught that before? You know, that when Jesus is crying that, of course the Father is there. He, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the, the Jews don't get it. Obviously, the God of this age, that age had blinded them from seeing the glorious gospel and revealed in Christ Jesus. They had seen the miracles. They had seen the signs and wonders. And now they're mocking him and saying, well, let's see if Elijah is going to save him. Or in other cases, you know, they're saying, well, he saved others. Why can't he save himself? So they don't deny that he saved and healed others. But now they're trapped in that blindness. And you know people in that, that darkness in life where they can't see it. And perhaps maybe you're in that darkness now or feeling some of that shadow coming over you. And you're crying out, Eloi, Eloi, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or where are you? Where are you? Why are you doing this to me? But Jesus is showing, How about you are with me? The lights go on. You know, poof, the lights go on. I'm here for you, my son. That's a declaration. That's Abba's declaration. I'm not leaving you. A nanosecond. I'm with you throughout this. I've always been listening. He cried out and he heard. He heard me and he delivered me. He hears us in our pain and our suffering. Even when we're saying, take this cup from me, Abba. But we're always handing it over and saying, your will be done. Oh, your will be. Oh, you are good. We know you are our, our Abba. You know you are my Abba. You're my daddy, my dada. You hold me close. You promise you'll never for- leave me or forsake me. You'll never forget me. You'll never leave my soul. Never let me out of your sight. Not for a second. He is that prodigal Abba, that love, loving, lavishing Abba who has gone to the farthest extent to make sure that we come out of that darkness in Jesus. Because without Jesus, we can't come out of that darkness. It's with Jesus that the lights go on, as Adrian is saying, to show that union complete, that full communion and communion that we have. When I am lifted up, I will draw all to myself. All judgment, yes. And Abba's judgment is end of this darkness the lights are on now you're at home with me i've drawn you to myself even when you were dead in your trespasses you were loved by your abba and raised up together in christ your, his beloved and seated with him in the heaven his judgment is his love his kindness is goodness his grace jesus shows us our abba absolutely good abba He shows that to us and reveals it, and then we see it is finished in him. The full revelation, Jesus is the finished full revelation of who Abba is. If you've seen me, Philip, have you been with me so long, and you still don't get it? If you've seen me, you've seen my Abba. Our Abba, you see him in full. Abba, your tenderness, your kindness, your mercy, your unfailing steadfast love will go to the farthest degree and jesus the son will go for him with him in him to save us to rescue us deliver us to help us and send the comforter and when the comforter comes he comes for a specific purpose Mm -hmm. so sweet holy spirit holy spirit like jesus both are comforters both are the Paracletes, Holy Spirit is another Paracletos. He is one to comfort us. And how does he comfort us? Well, let's look at the other two places where good old St. Paul, brother St. Paul, reveals the name Abba in two passages. And really that shows identity. If you were on maybe the the last time I spoke here, we talked about the importance of gospel revealing who and what. It reveals, the gospel reveals who God is in Christ. Jesus reveals who Abba is, and Abba reveals who his son is, his Messiah, as King, as Lord, as Savior of all. And what he has done, he has started the rule and reign of all humanity. He reigns in the midst of his enemies. He rules and reigns there. He has won. He has triumphed over them, over all the powers of darkness. Yes, over our mental defects and spiritual defects, but even more importantly, over all cosmic evil, every evil that would come against the children of Abba. Jesus has done that. And he has delivered us, set us free, and raised us up in himself, seated us with him in the heavenly places. He breathed into us the comforter, filled us with Holy Spirit, anointed us. We've been anointed in the Holy Spirit in a personal relationship with him. And Holy Spirit is our teacher. He leads us into all truth. And we look to Holy Spirit to continue to reveal that truth about Jesus, the Son, and Abba, the Father. So let's look at at what Paul says in Galatians. Go first to Galatians chapter 4. And Paul declares the gospel... Of what Jesus has done and what Holy Spirit has done and what they are doing in us. Galatians 4. Let's start in about verse 3. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, take us deeper in this one. Take us deeper, Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. In the same way, we also, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, to the stoichia, to the to the rulers of this age, to the powers and principalities, to the mindsets that they also reinforce in us or had reinforced. But when the fullness of time had come, time was full, time's up. God sent forth his son. Abba sent forth his son, born of a woman, born of our mother Mary. She was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. So her purpose in there, she has a purpose. She's not just a womb. She is a full person. Please be aware of anyone who starts to belittle Jesus' mother he hates that if you hate it when people belittle your mother like just saying my mother was just a womb to bear me what kind of desecration is that on your mother's reputation your mother is a full person a, a wonderful person who bore you and nurtured you and cared for you so you know be careful when you know and just that mindset that can creep in she was just just any old woman she was the woman Uh, maybe we can talk about that another time but her purpose in as well that in jesus gaining humanity his humanity comes from her and our new humanity comes from from mary as well through through mary in jesus so that we might receive adoption as sons so unless jesus becomes human we don't have that adoption so this is all about sonship here, and because verse six, you are sons. The declaration Paul is making, and he makes it all over the place. Oh, my dear, dear, yeah. dear! You are sons. You are Abba's sons. God has sent His Spirit, the Spirit of His Son, into your hearts. So notice the triune declaration here: God has sent his, the Spirit of His Son, into our hearts. into your heart he's in your heart you'll be in my heart you'll be in my heart from this day (laughs) you know phil collins is even declaring the gospel (laughs) now and forever what does he he teaches us holy spirit is sent the spirit of the son is sent into our hearts crying out Abba, and in case you don't get it, he says, "Father." Okay, so in case you don't know what Abba means, in case you don't speak Aramaic or Hebrew, uh, you you have um, the declaration there: Abba, Abba. Well, Holy Spirit's whole purpose, whole purpose, to make you whole. A whole son or daughter, a holy son or daughter of Abba, in Abba, in Christ Jesus, to be seated with him in the heavenly places, lacking nothing, being perfect as your Abba in heaven is perfect, being holy, being good, being righteous, being just, being loved, being accepted, being included always and forever. Holy Spirit, his purpose is to teach us to say that. Abba, 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 or Dada, Dada, Papa, Papa, Papa. And we'll come to the next passage as well, which helps us get beyond the language of just father. Father is fine. But we may note that father tends to be a word we use in English. It tends to mean there's a separation between you and me. If my daughters start calling me father, father, you know, they're they're trying to, to uh, get something perhaps, or uh, you know, but it's different when they call me daddy or dada, you know. They call me dada, my heart melts. I don't want them calling me father. I want them calling me daddy, dada. That's the joy of my heart. That's what abba wants us to call him that's the greatest respect that we call him this i know some people struggle with this and you may have heard me talk on this before and you may think boy this guy all he talks about is this thing dada and abba there is nothing else (laughs) holy spirit and jesus are teaching us that over and over and over and believe me friends Believe me, brothers and sisters, no matter how often I preach on this over and over, and sometimes I say, okay, be careful, watch yourself, watch as you pray. Are you praying Almighty? Are you praying Yahweh? Are you praying uh, Lord God over and over saying, Lord God, Lord God, Lord God, God Almighty? Even Heavenly Father, if you're praying that and not praying Abba, Daddy, Dada, What does that say about your relationship? Because Holy Spirit is teaching you to cry out, Abba, Father. Now, again, you don't have to use the Aramaic. You don't have to use the Hebrew. You could be, uh, you know, speaking Tamil and say, Abba, or you could be speaking some other language and saying, Baba, you know. But Baba, Abba, Dada, he knows your heart. And if you're crying out from your heart, not from your, just from your head, but from your whole being, especially from your heart. Abba, Daddy, he hears you no matter what, obviously, but he, he wants you to call him that. Now, some people are going to say, that's disrespectful, brother. Brother, you are cutting it close to blasphemy. And I would say, brother... You're cutting it close to blasphemy because you're rejecting the revelation of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. If you can't cry out, Abba, if you can't cry out, Daddy, there's something desperately wrong in your heart, brother or sister. What's going on within you that's stopping that? Let's pray for that. Let's talk about that. Maybe you need some deliverance. Maybe it's some type of spirit that's latched onto you that's religious spirit or something that's teaching you that you have to use this language. When It says right there in Scripture, and if you believe Scripture, if you believe that the Father and Son and Spirit are coming into your heart, teaching you to cry this out, if you're not doing it, what's going on? Now, this is not to say somebody's better somebody is uh at a higher level of christianity because they're doing this but it's it really this passage and as we'll look in romans is revealing something look what paul says right after this the holy spirit is comes in our heart the spirit of abba's son cry, teaching us to cry out abba father Abba, abba abba okay challenge yourself okay say for the next day or the next week, I'm going to use nothing when I'm praying to God, G O D, or to Yahweh or whatever. I'm not going to use any other term unless I'm praying to Jesus or Holy Spirit. I'm going to only say Abba, or I'm going to only say Dada. I'm only going to say Papa. You know, maybe you love that Paul Young and you love that Papa in the shack. Go for it. Say, I'm not going to use any other term, Abba, just to honor you. And I want you to witness to my spirit, witness to my heart, Holy Spirit. Teach me if if I need my mind renewed, if I need my heart renewed even, teach me, teach me, teach me. Enable me, show me. And if I go astray, I know there's no condemnation for that, but teach me to cry out, Abba. Daddy. The next verse says, so you are no longer a slave. So what does this imply about the previous verse? If you have trouble saying Abba, maybe you still have a slave mentality. Just saying. I'm not saying that you are a slave, but you have the slave mentality perhaps, and you see it in people with that religious spirit. They are enslaved To a view of God through their language, they're revealing what they think about God, the stories they tell about God, almighty, Lord most high. You know, they're trying to use that language, which there's nothing wrong with that language, beautiful, wonderful, majestic language, and you can use it by all means, but not at the expense of using the language of intimacy. Now, the language of intimacy doesn't mean belittling or becoming overly familiar with you know that you're putting god lower than yourself but you're really fulfilling what his desire has been from eternity is that you and i and we all every person made in his image and likeness realize that we look just like our daddy we look just like our jesus his son and even if you're praying to Jesus, say, son of Abba, Abba's son. You know, I often say my last name is Abba's son. What's your last name? Abba's son. (laughs) It's almost a Scandinavian name there, Snorri. Abba's son. You are no longer a slave, verse seven, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So Paul talks about, goes in the rest of that chapter. You can read through that. The slave mentality of people going back to days and keeping specific days and requirements of the law. And, you know, they're being enslaved into religious Judaism or their particular religions where the pagan religions, where the hosts of heaven were keeping people trapped from seeing the glory of Abba. So Paul wants people to know that you are absolutely free from the law. You're free from the principalities and powers. You're free from sin and death to live a holy life as Abba. Let's just end off in Romans chapter 8. Oh, we could, if we die reading Romans 8, pass on into glory reading Romans 8. Imagine that. Oh, Okay, is it a death wish? No, not a death wish, but an a, eternal glory wish. They're, they're so rich. Oh. Romans 8, verse 12. Let's start at verse 12. We could read the whole thing, all right. But so then, brothers, brothers, sisters, oh, we are brothers and sisters. When we use that term, bro, bra, sis, you know, that's who we are. We have the same Abba, you know, we say brothers or sisters from the same father from another mother, but actually we have the same father, spiritual father's Abba, and the same, we have the same mother too. We have the same mother in the, our humanity in Christ is Mary. Brothers, we are not debtors to, not, we we are debtors not to the flesh. We are not in debt to the flesh anymore. The wages of sin, the, de- <laughs> the debt of sin is death. We're not indebted to death anymore, to the flesh, to live out the desires of the flesh, to live according to the flesh. You know, a lot of churches are, you know, letting this one slip, you know, just out of some kind of compassion or something. to say, it's okay. It's okay. Paul, Jesus, the whole Scripture is saying, don't live according to the flesh. you If you're in debt to the flesh to live according to the ways of the world, it's not good. You know, you really won't see your sonship. You won't know who you are. You won't know who Abba is, who Christ is, if you continue to live according to the flesh. And you know the works of the flesh. They're revealed throughout Scripture. You don't need me to go through those. That's not to say we don't love people who are stuck in living according to the flesh but we want to help them to see we need not to live according to the flesh for if you live according to the flesh verse 13 you will die paul doesn't want that but he but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live that's not to say the body is bad but we leave behind the ways of the gentiles we leave behind the ways of the world we live according to Jesus. He is He is our life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He shows us what li- eternal life is like in union with the Father. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Oh, when we're led by the Holy Spirit, we're living that life of sonship. And the temptations of the flesh, the temptations of the world, no longer have... Authority over us. They may come, but we, we can recognize that they are temptations. Jesus, he was tempted in all points yet without sin. And if we stay in him, you know, Paul, Peter, the apostles, James is showing us that if we live in this relationship with our Abba, it's possible that we will never stumble. But if we do stumble, you know, we have Jesus who is mediating for us then dad, you know, let's help him out. And of course, they're going to help us out with the Holy Spirit. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Fear. The enemy, here's the power of the, the world trying to throw fear on us in all kinds of ways, right? We live in an age that is gripped by fear. Sadly, so. But when you have the love of Abba, the agape, as St. John tells us in his first epistle, that, that perfect love, that perfect agape, it casts out that fear. Sure, fear will try to come on you and try to lead you not to live in your identity because of all kinds of things, fear of rejection, fear of shame, fear of torment, all kinds of things. But you're not led by that. You're not to be led back, falling back into that fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. Paul is declaring again the gospel: "Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? That's the gospel. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy?" <laughs> uh, I was just in Scotland a few weeks back, and you know, <laughs> I really got it hard. Who's your daddy? You know, your daddy is Abba and he loves you. He's mad about you. That's what he's declaring for free. And that's often how I hear his voice. You know, I hear it in great Scott. He's a great. He's up in the high places, dreaming in the high places. I love you. I'm crazy about you. You're my child. You're my son. I'll never let you go for a date in your life. I've always been with you. I've been that daddy. That Abba. He has his own Scottish accent. And he loves to communicate with us, perhaps even through humor as well. So we can see we're adopted. We're not just adopted in the sense of some technical uh, document signed, but we're officially stamped in Jesus as sons, co-heirs. He talks about in here in the the next verses. By whom we cry, the spirit of adoption comes again. What does he teach us to cry? Abba. And in case you didn't understand what that means, it's father or daddy. Daddy. Abba, daddy, Paul is declaring it twice, at least in Galatians and Romans to his audiences. Cry out, you're a son, you're a daughter, you're beloved, you belong, you're in the high place, you're in the most high place, you're in the family, you're in the full family. You're there with Mary as well, loved as she has was loved, his favorite, favorite daughter to carry his son bear his son, to raise his son with St. Joseph, who raised Jesus. With John the Baptist leaping John, leaping Johnny, you know, leaping for joy in the womb. You're with all those saints seated with Christ in the heavenly places, heirs. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, spirit to spirit, that we are children of God, children of And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. There are times where we suffer in life, the co-suffering with Christ. We've all co-suffered. We can always hand that over with him and say, not my will, but your will. And we realize that God's active will is not to send suffering and pain on us. But there will be moments when we're persecuted in life. And we're beaten down and pressed on all sides. And beasts are at our door. And our family is against us. And we're being whipped, spit at. We're being accused of being haters and all of these things. But that's when, whoa. The great relief that comes from crying out. That's what Jesus is crying out from Gethsemane, Abba, as he's sweating blood. Take this cup from me, Abba. The great relief and joy that comes from that is, you know, initially our, our, our tongues language is Abba. If you can't say anything else in tongues, but Abba or Dada. You said everything. You have said everything. Brothers and sisters, let us go deeper, deeper, deep, diving deeper in the love, the agape love of Abba in his Jesus united, eternally united in love, in the Holy Spirit, in that triune kiss. Again, I place the challenge to you. Who will will take my challenge? Just a raise of hands. Who will take the challenge? Tonight, the Holy Ghost challenge. Just a show of hands. Okay. Take the Holy Ghost challenge. The Holy Ghost is challenging you. Along with Jesus. The spirit of Jesus. I challenge you. (laughs) I challenge you. To call me your daddy. I challenge you to call me Abba. That's what Abba's challenging you. My son, my daughter. Really. You're mine. You belong to me. I'll never. Never let you go. Even when you go into your deepest darkness. Even when you're on your cross. I am there with you. Even when you descend into your Hades. I'm there with you. Even when. The bulls of Bashan are around you. And the lions are growling at you. I have never left you. Nor forsaken you. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Let's let the lights go on brighter and brighter in the heavenly places to see that we're already seated there on Abba's lap in his holy kiss and holy hug kissing and hugging us in the most pure ways now if you have issues with closeness and you know intimacy and things like that I understand people have been through some bad stuff I've been through some bad stuff too in this world you go through that but Abba's holy and he'll never hurt you his love is pure Jesus and Holy Spirit pure. So just let yourself go into their holy kiss and holy hug and just say, Kiss me in those places, make me pure again where people have tried to make me unholy because they didn't know they were slaves and they didn't know that they were your sons and daughters, or they would have never treated me that way. I forgive them, I love them. Take me, Abba. Take me, Abba. Take me, Abba. 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 Let him heal you in those places and set you free from any slaveries and burdens that you have. So take this challenge, this love challenge, this agape challenge as we're right on 10 o'clock to for the next day, the next week, use Abba, Dada, Papa, Baba whatever Holy Spirit is teaching you to lead you deeper into the intimacy because nothing else matters. In Jesus' Wow.